This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. That stuff came through the window and hit me right in the head. An 88-year-old woman is injured by a firework that smashed through her fifth-story apartment window. Plus... There's absolutely nothing racist about it. The Halloween display one Metro Vancouver City says should come down. See if you agree. And... It's brutal. Absolutely brutal. It's a ghost town. Pandemic frustration. Why border restrictions are loosened in Alaska, but not in Point Roberts. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. We begin with breaking news. An investigation is underway after a Canadian soldier was shot and killed at CFB Wainwright in Alberta. In a release, Canada's Department of National Defence says the soldier was participating in a live fire training exercise when the incident occurred. The 3rd Battalion of Princess Patricia's Canadian Light Infantry was taking part in the exercise. The soldier was airlifted to a hospital in Edmonton but died this morning. Global News has learned the soldier killed was a reservist with the Royal Westminster Regiment based out of New Westminster and Chilliwack. The Prime Minister tweeted, Our hearts go out to their loved ones and Canadian Forces colleagues. Know that we are mourning with you and are here to support you during this difficult time. As of tomorrow, fireworks can no longer be sold in Vancouver, one of the last municipalities in the region to ban their sale. But the often dangerous tradition is coming to an end a little too late for an 88-year-old woman. She was injured this week when fireworks burst through her fifth-floor apartment window. Julia Foy reports. Well, I'm shook, shook up. 88-year-old Lucy Murray is still shaken after a fireworks blast broke through her West End apartment window Thursday night. See, this is one here. She was sleeping on her couch when something struck her. That stuff came through the window and hit me right in the head. And I, my hand went like this right away and I could smell it. She says the red-hot Roman candle singed her on the top of her head and affected her hearing. My sister-in-law called me. I couldn't hear her. Neighbors say Lucy was lucky she wasn't injured more, and so were the other residents. If Lucy hadn't been home, um, it could have set the whole house, a whole apartment block on fire. Fireworks may also be to blame for a blaze that destroyed a number of businesses in the heart of Canby Village on October 15th. For several years, fireworks around Halloween have caused injuries and significant damage to homes. It was one Roman candle, one minute of fun for that person, and they destroyed the house. So Vancouver Council has now banned all fireworks at midnight this Halloween. We can't continue to literally permit uh, a product that we know is going to lead to uh, significant property damage and a significant number of injuries every year. Fireworks are already banned in several other cities around Metro Vancouver, from Langley to North Vancouver. West End residents think it's long overdue. It's not just a fun kind of thing, there's a danger involved. I have nothing against them um, having fireworks, 
but I think this is way out of hand. Isn't that nice? As for Lucy, she says she doesn't need any more excitement happening in her house. Well, it hurt my ego. No, I'm lacking hair. Julia Foy, Global News. A Maple Ridge man is defending his Halloween display, one the city has tried to shut down. A number of people have complained that the front yard scene that depicts people hanging from nooses is offensive to black people and those who have lost loved ones to suicide. But the man who put it together with his children says it's supposed to be a medieval theme and their goal is to have fun, not to offend. With how everything is going, these days and it has been going that we're still going as far as to call this racist i mean there's absolutely nothing racist about it there's nothing that condones suicide we i i i, I just don't understand it it's it, it's a medieval torture scene Calvin Meyer says he's perfectly willing to listen to anyone's concerns about the display, including those of bylaw officers who have asked him to take it down. But he says it's staying up for Halloween and he'll be back again next year with something new. A controversial mural in Victoria has been vandalized again. A suspect on a motorcycle was caught spray painting the letter S in the More Justice mural, P- More Justice, More Peace mural in Bastion Square this morning. That letter contains the acronym ACAB or All Cops Are Bad or Bastards. When the mural went up in August, the city tried to remove the acronym, but the artists blocked the move, saying it would erase the experiences and voices of non-white people. In September, a man sprayed over the ACAB portion of the letter S and added 9-11, never forget. Earlier this week, the letter S was updated with a statement from the artists saying the letter has been censored by the city. The federal government has eased border travel restrictions for a number of isolated border communities, including between B.C. and Alaska. But people living in the tiny U.S. enclave of Point Roberts, who've been pleading for a special exemption for months, are wondering why they've been left off the list. Kristen Robinson reports. Always wash your hands. This stretch of grass is the end of the line for cross-border travel in Point Roberts. And residents stranded since March are learning the isolation will continue. We're suffering and they don't care. It's ludicrous. The last thing we ever want is to carry COVID or infect anybody else. Ottawa relaxing the rules for a few border towns including Hyder, Alaska and Stewart, B.C. on the other side. People in those communities can now cross into the U.S. or Canada for essential shopping and medical appointments without quarantining for 14 days. I support them having, why were we left off the list? I mean, we're the only exclave now left. The tiny Washington State Peninsula bordered by water on three sides and the Canadian border to the north remains landlocked, even though Point Roberts Fire Chief has been pushing for a special exemption for months. Our community is a ghost town and uh, we need help. So I think uh, just treatment of all these locations is very important uh, for those communities and those residents to survive. 1,300 residents, he says, are dependent on transit through Canada to access goods and services. With no Canadians coming in, the Chamber of Commerce says business is down 85% and it's not aware of any confirmed COVID cases in Point Roberts. We're not going to Tawasana mix with people. We just want to get out of here. 
get through to Peace Arch and go back to mainland USA to shop, doctor, whatever. Given its unique location and circumstances, we asked the federal government why Point Roberts was not granted a cross-border travel exemption, but did not receive a response. I mean, we're just locked down. Kristen Robinson, Global News. An East Vancouver church held a small rally at Jackpool Plaza this afternoon. Its goal? Peace on Earth. We declare unity in this city. The event called on people of all faiths and political stripes to spread positivity during these troubled times. Participants were encouraged to wear masks and keep their social distance. BC's top doctor has issued numerous warnings about the increased risk of spreading COVID-19 in gatherings. Health experts have repeatedly said we won't be able to move on from the pandemic until a vaccine is developed and distributed. And as Nadia Stewart reports, research being done right here in B.C. is garnering international attention. Inside the labs of Vancouver's Precision Nanosystems, the work of developing a COVID-19 vaccine is underway. The recent announcement of federal funding, a huge win for the company. This is a preclinical phased program at the moment, and we aim to be in the clinic by summer of next year and through our phase two clinical trials within 18 months. Taylor says the goal is to help develop a cost-effective made-in-Canada vaccine, using the funds to help produce something that can be advanced to clinical trials. Vancouver is a world-leading hub of technologies for the development of genetic medicines and vaccines. So we're one of a handful of companies that are making a huge impact in this area globally. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau is spending $214 million to support homegrown vaccine development. Precision Nanosystems will receive $18.2 million, while $173 million will go to Quebec-based Medicago. We have also reached an agreement with them to supply up to 76 million doses of their vaccine. This is about securing potential vaccines for Canadians while supporting good jobs in research. But in the wake of the pandemic, there are calls for more investment in the life sciences sector, particularly here in B.C., where innovative startups are increasingly playing a key role in helping to develop vaccines and supporting healthcare systems at home and beyond. According to an industry advocacy group, one of the common challenges is that companies often have the innovation but lack the capital to scale up. We see, and it's very similar across the technology space, we see a lot of what are called SMEs, small, medium enterprises, that get stuck because they can't raise the capital or they don't have the talent to grow. They're hoping more partnerships with academia and investors will help change that, ensuring the health of an industry focused on the health of others. Nadia Stewart, Global News. A terrifying experience for a college student in the Okanagan who's now wondering if she's the victim of sabotage or simply bad luck. She was driving when one of her car's wheels came off. And as Darian Matassafung reports, it's hardly the first time this has happened in the Okanagan this year. I left my house and I got in my car and it was making like a thudding noise. It was a heart-pounding experience for 17-year-old Chloe Bishop the Okanagan College student has only had her driver's license for three weeks, but has already felt fear behind the wheel. I was like, oh, maybe my car just needs to warm up because, I mean, I don't know a lot about cars. So I kept driving and I got to about Sun City Cherries and my car was feeling very uncontrollable. When Bishop came to a stop at a roundabout on Lakeshore Road, she found out what was making the thudding noise. Coming to a stop right before the roundabout, luckily, and... 
yeah, it was just I was kind of bouncing around and I came to a stop and my tire fell off. Fortunately, Bishop was near a standstill when the tire came off and no one was hurt. Back in May, Okanagan police warned residents that lug nuts were being loosened after receiving several reports, including vehicles from out of province, losing wheels. Bishop did have BC plates on her Ford Focus. It's not uncommon that we get reports of uh, vehicles with loosened lug nuts or vehicles that have lost a wheel um, as a result of the lug nuts uh, falling off. Noseworthy says some cases are tracked back to tire changes and lug nuts not being tightened properly afterwards. That is not the case here, as Bishop says she had her winter tire appointment booked for next week. In terms of being able to prove that it was an act of mischief, um, it, it's certainly a lot harder. Um, the unfortunate reality is in a situation like this, it usually happens days or even weeks after uh, the potential loosening has happened. Bishop says the experience was one that she won't forget anytime soon. I would say it was fairly traumatic. I mean, I've never gotten into that kind of situation before, like as myself in the car alone. And just to think that someone would have done this to me is, uh, it's a little uh, hard on the mind. Darian Matassafon, Global News, Kelowna. Not what you want to wake up to. Have a look at this. This is what's left of Jim Malamas's daughter-in-law's vehicle. Yeah, he left, he lives rather between Mossom Creek and Greenbelt in Port Moody. At around 5.30 this morning, he heard noises and his neighbor called to say the car alarm and lights were going off. They found a bear trashing the vehicle. The car doors are normally locked, but a side door was left open last night, allowing a large neighborhood black bear to break in. We came out and watched the bear mosey on out and came back. Just trashed the car, like unreal. It's a lot of damage. It's quite a bit of damage. It's a write-off. It's not, it's, you're not going to fix this. Is there a message here? Is there something? I mean, well, lock your doors. <laughs> we live in bear country. We don't want the bear destroyed. We don't want the bear destroyed. A garbage day is like ring, ringing the dinner bell here. We watch them come in and we're cautious and, you know, do what we can. But uh, at the end of the day, we're in their territory, you know, so let's be cool. A major transit milestone today. 25 years ago, the West Coast Express began operations. The passenger rail service has carried millions of people over the years. And as Ted Field reports, the pandemic has only cast a minor shadow over what is a very happy anniversary. For thousands of people, it's a morning routine, catching the West Coast Express into the city. But for Amanda Rana, her trip is a short one. For 25 years, she's been a station attendant. In the beginning, I was a bit nervous, like, you know, dealing with so many public people. Uh, but right now, I just love what I'm doing. It's the silver anniversary for the West Coast Express, the commuter train that runs from Mission to downtown Vancouver. Back in the 90s, Mission was a bit different. The lure of homes starting around $170,000 attracted people looking for affordable housing, but still looking for a way to commute to the big city. West Coast Express was born. And since 1995, uh, the West Coast Express has carried over 45 million passengers all the way from Mission to downtown Vancouver. We started with about 5,000 riders back in 95, and in 2019, we were seeing about 12,000 per day. We got the throttle here. People working on the train love it. Kind of like a real-life video game. Ridership was hit hard by COVID. In September, it was 17% of pre-pandemic levels. 
We are seeing a slow return to our ridership. The passengers who use the train enjoy it. No worries, no hassles. It's just, you have no stress. For Amanda, the passengers are family. Oh yeah, we know them by name. Uh, we have known passengers that uh, were pregnant and they had their babies and now their kids are taking the train. And there's nothing like a train trip, even if it's just to work. Ted Field, Global News. An historic building in Vancouver's Mount Pleasant neighborhood is getting some much-needed love. Heritage Hall at Main and 15th is undergoing $4.1 million and 10 months of restoration work. It's getting a new slate roof, which would, should last for years, along with seismic upgrades to the clock tower and new stonework. The building has been a focal point of the community for 108 years. We have weddings, craft fairs, vinyl record sales, uh, celebrations of life. Um, we also house seven not-for-profits in the building. It's important for the fabric of the city that buildings like this last and, and are looked after, cared for, they become part of the community. Uh, we lose too many of them as it is. In 1912, as you just saw there, the building was a post office, then served as an RCMP station. It was abandoned for about a decade in the 70s before being restored. Like many charities this year, the Canucks Autism Network has been forced to cancel many of its programs. That happened in March when the pandemic broke out. Some moved online. Then this summer, a number restarted in person. Well, now, to help fund them, the popular Canucks 50-50 draw is being held online with a million-dollar jackpot. The proceeds will go to help the thousands of families across B.C. who are dealing with autism. Just to put it in perspective, there's about 19,000 people across the province that have autism. So we're talking thousands of people that are impacted by this. And the $5 tickets are available at Canucks.com, and the draw is Monday night at 5.30. In Washington, D.C., concern about the possibility of violent protests on election night and the days that follow has businesses near the White House boarding up. Although officials have not said they're aware of any credible threats of violence, businesses recall what happened when protests took a violent turn following the death of George Floyd earlier this year. Businesses in other parts of the U.S., including Manhattan, are doing the same. A new University of Massachusetts Amherst poll found that 80% of Americans are either very or somewhat concerned about election-related violence. Another major American city bracing for potential unrest in the wake of next week's election is Portland, Oregon. The city has gained nationwide attention for its racial justice protests, and tensions there remain high. Our Sarah McDonald is in Portland tonight. Sarah, what's the atmosphere like? Colleen, good to see you. You just mentioned those other states that are boarding up businesses. That is what is going on here in Portland and other parts of Oregon tonight. Take a look. This is obviously not your typical Halloween night in Portland, Oregon, a major American city. A lot of businesses, a lot of buildings are all boarded up. The streets are eerily quiet as this city prepares for the potential of major political unrest come next week's U.S. presidential election. You don't have to look far. Not going to allow the cancer from Portland to spread out everywhere else. To find the deepening political divide running through Washington state. Tensions hit a boiling point Friday at dueling demonstrations. Trump finally stands up and says America is a great country. But not everybody sees it that way, especially in Portland, Oregon. 
This deeply democratic city caught in the crosshairs of political posturing and unrest at the height of the racial justice movement. What is going on? Which saw federal agents and tear gas targeting protesters and activists like Ty Carpenter. Tensions are rising, so I think with the election just stays away, um, who knows what's going to happen. Portland may be one of the most progressive cities in the country, but take a short drive in any direction and you're likely to find yourself in Trump territory. That's where Democrats like David Levin find themselves outnumbered. Suburban parts of the state that swing red, further polarized in the current political climate. If the other side will simply just argue, yell, scream, call names, and I can't even get more than two sentences in. Some Republicans we spoke to, even in strongholds, feel intimidated too. I do. I, I'm always shy about saying who I'm going to vote for because of that. And... Um, especially with co-workers. With police presence now heightened statewide at ballot drop boxes and a bid to curb any potential for voting-related violence. We're kind of scared either way as to what's going to happen. Some Americans on both sides of the fray are second-guessing if the land of the free will remain home to them. I have no hope with Trump as he's elected. And, I mean, jokingly, we've talked about maybe we need to move to Canada. And Oregon is also dealing with a public health crisis that the rest of the world is. The state itself recording its highest ever daily COVID-19 case count as of yesterday. That's just going into the election. And you can you can just see how emotional things are on the streets down here right now with Trump supporters uh, and Biden supporters as well. We've had a lot of people uh, interject in hits like that uh, throughout the day today and yesterday as well. Now, as for next week, Colleen, of course, we don't know what's going to happen on Election Day or the days following it. All we can do is wait and see. But we have been told by analysts and experts and people on all sides of the fray to expect unrest of some sort come election day and the days afterwards. And we will be checking in with you then. Thanks so much, Sarah. Sir Sean Connery has died at the age of 90. The Scottish actor was best known for his work as James Bond. He was the first to bring the character to the big screen, appearing in seven of the spy thrillers. But Bond was just one of Connery's memorable screen characters. He pulls a knife, you pull a gun. He sends one of yours to the hospital, you send one of his to the morgue. Other blockbusters include The Untouchables, Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. Connery was knighted by the Queen in the year 2000. In Health Matters tonight, Quebec and Ontario both recorded more than 1,000 new cases of COVID-19 today. Manitoba, over 300. And those are the second highest numbers recorded since the pandemic began in this country. Ontario reported 1,015 new COVID cases and nine new deaths. The total number of cases in the province now sits at 75,730. We turn our clocks back tonight to standard time. And while health experts generally agree staying on standard time year-round would be healthier, we can use the time change to stay safe in other ways. And as you fall back before you go to bed tonight, we're also urged to change your batteries in our smoke and carbon monoxide detectors. The weather is turning colder and people are using their heat again, increasing the risk of fire and carbon monoxide poisoning. Yvonne, a clear sky tonight means we can take in a rather rare event. Yeah, great timing. Mother Nature has a treat for us tonight. A rare blue moon, the first blue moon on Halloween in 19 years. So get your eyes to the skies. The name has nothing to do with the color. It's really the reference 
to its rarity. Like the saying goes, once in a blue moon, the blue moon is the second full moon in the same month. We had one earlier at the beginning of October. It's hard to imagine. All right, for those who are out and about this evening, here's a very, a very distant shot of the blue moon. But do take a, a look up to the skies. Do you see it, Colleen? Speck of light there. It's, it's right here. <laughs> You know, you just have to you just have to focus in on it. It's just a little speckle out there, but hopefully I'll get some photos, send me them in, and then we'll be able to show them all for tomorrow evening of what it really looked like, this rare blue moon. Okay, for those who are out this evening, temperatures are going to be cooling off, but we've got dry conditions, which is great news for Metro Vancouver. We're sitting at 6 degrees. We've got a northwesterly wind at 13 kilometers per hour. This evening, look at this. This is better than that blue moon shot that we had, but we are going to see temperatures cooling off, and overnight tonight, it's going to feel spooky out there. We've got some fog developing, and for the early morning, so uh, do bundle up, but it is going to remain dry, so no umbrellas will be needed, and a great shot. This one was taken from Jerry, her dog participating in the Halloween festivities. What a great sport. Uh, this is from Lake Country, so thank you so much, Jerry. We do have some active weather, and it's along the northern and central half of the province. We've had a number of waves of moisture, and this next system that is going to push in will bring very windy conditions, especially along the north coast, and we do have a significant amount of rain for areas inland. Here's the timeline. We'll continue to see that wet weather. It's targeting both the north and central coast. But then the next wave is going to intensify, especially for the afternoon tomorrow. That's when we'll start to see some of the winds ramp up through the day and then continuing even as we look ahead towards our Monday morning. So a heads up, the following warnings that are in effect for Haynes Road, as well as the South Conduct Highway, we've got a blizzard warning. So 10 centimeters of snow, that's additional amounts and blowing snow. The rainfall warning along the north coast inland with up to 100 millimeters. That's by Monday morning. And the wind warning that's in red for Haida Gwaii along the north coast for coastal areas by tomorrow afternoon, continuing in through Monday morning. It's a southerly wind sustained at 90 and we could see gusts of up to 110 kilometers per hour. So very blustery, the active weather really along the northern and central half of the province and then that same system is going to push in but it'll be late in the day on Monday and moving in towards the southern interior on Tuesday. Quick glance at the long range, it's been mild. We've had temperatures into the double digits with the sunshine through the day. We'll continue to see that into early next week. Even by the end of next week, I anticipate temperatures will still be mild paired with some wet weather and then a look ahead past that. We are going to see some cooler temperatures moving in across all areas of the province. So very blustery, wet and windy along the north coast. A heads up for the winds, especially through the day tomorrow. It'll intensify for the afternoon. The northeastern corners of the province, we are seeing some flurries in the mix. Most of the central interior, it's a dry day with a mainly cloudy sky. Areas towards the south of it, we'll see some fog for the morning and then sunshine for the afternoon and highs anywhere between 9 and up to 13 degrees for the southern half of the Okanagan. Fog for the morning for all areas along the south coast. It'll dissipate. We've got a pleasant day. Sunshine Coast for Powell River will bump up to 12 degrees. And then Metro Vancouver will see that range between 13 and 14 degrees. We've got Halloween. We've got the rare blue moon. And we've got a time change. So we've got an extra hour of sleep for tomorrow morning. Don't forget before you go to bed, uh, set your clock one hour behind. And then we've got some sunshine into early next week before the wet weather moves in. Got lots going on. This lots evening. going on. Lots going on. Very busy. Very <laughs> busy. Thanks so much, Yvonne. Okay, let's be honest. No one likes wearing a face mask, but I have a funny feeling lots of us would be happy to don one of these tonight. See, it's got an N95 filter in the back. If, you, if you're going to have to wear a mask out in public, why not make it something that's going to be entertaining? 
Hollywood makeup artist Todd Debrusini has adapted to the times by making realistic prosthetic masks that have been adapted with filters perfect for the pandemic. But as an artist, he has one goal. To make at least one kid cry and or wet his pants. <laughs> he says work on movie sets has been slow, so these masks have allowed him to get creative and help bring a smile to those wanting to safely celebrate the spooky holiday. And in case you're wondering, his masks sell for about $45 each. And he says that he became aware of needing filtered masks because he's a cancer survivor and so he's particularly susceptible. So. Cool I wonder if he's got one yep. that can make my nose smaller. <laughs> Good Impossible. plan. Bear. Impossible. <laughs> what do you have coming up? Uh, well, we're going to set up what's uh, going to be a very busy uh, day tomorrow. Whitecaps with a crucial game in Portland, so we'll hear from them uh, going into that big match. And the Seahawks trying to get back on the winning track after kind of blowing one last uh, week in Arizona against the Cardinals. And uh, Chanel will be back in the red zone on this orange and black day. I notice you guys have the Halloween yeah, colors. Halloween. Uh, maybe I'm with the blue moon today or something. We went, yes. Y'all so hit it. <laughs> Thanks, Bear. You may have noticed we've been digging into our archives over the past several weeks to help you experience some of the highlights of BC's recent history and our own. And it was on this day, 60 years ago, Global BC, or Chen 8 as it was known then, hit the airwaves. Squire Barnes looks back at where we came from and where we are today. This is footage of the actual construction of what started as Chan TV in Burnaby, then BC TV, and now Global. But the real foundation of this building is news. Now, it wasn't quite that way at first. We had newscasts, but things changed when the news hour began in September of 1968. Under the direction of Cameron Bell and Keith Bradbury, the news hour became the biggest show in BC. I, I just thought those two guys were in the genius category. Cameron Bell and Keith Bradbury and, and later uh, Tony Parsons ended up uh, building a fabulous news operation. And the underlying idea of the news operation was and is quite simple. We were like agents for the viewers. We weren't bowing to power. We weren't uh, you know, working for advertisers. We were working for an audience. I described it as sort of frontier journalism. It, it was uh, a lot different from what I was used to when I worked in Toronto. They, they took chances, they asked questions, they weren't afraid to take on, as you say, the opinionators. We're in pursuit of Provincial Secretary Bill Reid. I think the news hour was built on holding people accountable. Politicians, bureaucrats, anyone in public life accountable for a misdeed. And we, we were relentless. Good evening. We begin tonight with a BCTV News exclusive. A lot of stories made a lot of trouble and made a lot of people upset. But the viewers were cheering. They were sort of like, wow, holy smokes, you know, you're putting the fire to these guys. And, you know, we're getting answers that we weren't getting otherwise. We made it a point to always be um, the ones who, who came up with the original story, who made sure that we always found something else. It's a reputation that impressed and attracted journalists from all across the industry. No newsroom has been that dedicated and uh, I think that effective at good storytelling. And that was what really drew me to it. And from day one until now, that storytelling must always be built upon honesty. And that's really all 
all programming is based on if they can trust it. Barry's here with sports. And Barry, so you're telling me there's still a chance with the Whitecaps. Uh, yes, there is. But the, the, the chances kind of come and go depending on what other teams do. So that's a tough spot to be in. Thanks, Colleen. The Whitecaps uh, playoff hopes are still alive, but they do not control their own destiny. But we do know that if they can beat Portland tomorrow night, they will at least take it down to the final game of the season on November 8th. It's been a grueling schedule, to say the least. And the Caps are thankful that they'll at least get four full days between matches to get ready for the Timbers tomorrow. Um, it's great, you know, um, more time to prepare, more time to recover, and uh, just more time to get ready. You know, it's, it's going to be a big match on Sunday. Um, we know what's on the line. We know what we need, and uh, we're, we're happy to have the days to prepare. The home eight. Good ball across it, tapped into the back post. Ricketts! Everything's on the line. Two games left. Um, we know the situation with the standings, with the uh, points per game system. And we know what we need to achieve in these last two games to make the make the playoffs. So, you know, our focus is on Sunday. Our focus is on fighting and uh, getting a result. And uh, that's, that's the only thing on our mind right now. All right, English Premiership, Mo Salah and Liverpool taking on West Ham. Great start for West Ham. Just 10 minutes in, Pablo Fornals settles it and then strikes the perfect shot, post and in. 1-0 West Ham. But later in the half, after uh, Salah was taken down in the box, he will convert from the spot. Never a doubt. It's 1-1. Now, after Liverpool had a goal called back on uh, VAR, they get one that counts in the 85th. Diogo Jata gives Liverpool the full three points. Great pass from Shakiri. 2-1 final at Anfield. Liverpool moved to the top of the table. 5-1-1 through seven matches. Chelsea and Burnley. Blues get on the board in the 26th. Hakeem Zayek gets the keeper going the wrong way. Left footer finds the back of the net. 1-0 Chelsea at half. They add a couple more in the second half, including this one on the break from Timo Werner. 3-0 Chelsea as they move into fourth place. And Manchester City and Sheffield United. Just one goal in this match. Man City gets it. Kyle Walker from about 25 yards out. That's a great strike. City win 1-0. Pep Guardiola's men now 3-2-1 in the season and 8th place. And we've got some Bundesliga. Bayern Munich taking on Köln. No Alfonso Davies for the next six or seven weeks for Bayern with that ankle injury suffered last week. But of course, they've got incredible depth. Thomas Muller from the spot makes it 1-0. And then in first half stoppage time, Serge Gnabry with what turns out to be the game winner as Bayern take this one by the final of two to one. Well, the Seahawks would love to be able to play in front of a full house tomorrow against the 49ers, but that won't be the case. Still no fans allowed at CenturyLink. Chanel also misses the adulation of the fans, but the show must go on in the red zone. After suffering their first loss, the Seahawks face a familiar foe Sunday afternoon. Now, if the 49ers can leave CenturyLink Field with a win, it would mean all four teams in the NFC West would have at least five wins as the season nears the midway point. Now, this one is big for the Seahawks, who haven't lost at home all season and have dominated San Fran for almost a decade. The 
49ers have won back-to-back games and in the past two weeks have allowed just 22 points and have five interceptions in those victories. Now, San Fran is fifth defensively, giving up 309 yards a game, and it's the best unit the Hawks have faced this season. Jeff Wilson Jr. ran for three touchdowns and 112 yards last week, but is out with an injury. Now, the Niners' run game has been solid, seventh best, and twice racking up more than 180 yards in a game. And in the last two weeks, San Fran has dominated time of possession, holding the ball for an average of 38 minutes. Establish that ground attack means Russell Wilson remains on the sidelines. How bad is the Seahawks' pass rush? Well, they've only posted nine sacks in five games, and last week didn't even register an official hit on Kyler Murray. Now, the defense continues to get torched, giving up almost 519 yards of offense last week, including 159 on the ground. Seattle has allowed almost 2,900 yards through six games. That is the most in league history during that stretch. Seattle continues to air out the ball, second in passing, almost 400 yards last week, 200 to Tyler Lockett, who also posted three touchdowns. Now, Russell Wilson continues his hot streak, but comes off a three-interception game and now takes on a San Fran side, third against the pass. When it comes to the run game, a massive blow as Chris Carson was injured last week. Now, if he can't go, Carlos Hyde steps in. He had 68 yards and a score versus the Cards. The Hawks are favored by a field goal and have won 13 of the last 16 meetings, but the last three have been decided by five points or less. Now, San Fran did win at CenturyLink in 2019 and are 3-0 on the road this season. Find out more about the Beautiful Bermuda, third round of the Bermuda Championship on the PGA Tour. Canadian David Hearn shot four under 67. Should have been five under. Missed the short birdie putt here at 17, but he's the top Canadian right now at six under. Merritt's Roger Sloan is tied for 15th at five under. Doc Redman, who was on the McKenzie Tour Canada just a couple of years ago, looking for his first PGA Tour win. Birdie at the 16th. He's got a one-shot lead in Bermuda with one more round to go tomorrow. Wouldn't that be nice oh, to be in Bermuda? But it's very windy there. It's maybe not the greatest place to play golf if you're not yeah. good like those guys. I'll put up with the wind. Yeah, me too. I don't mind. Thanks. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Very. It's Halloween. This is the best I could do. It's <laughs> pretty good. Um, listen, while Yvonne was busy working on the forecast and all the other things she's busy with, Barry and I... We've been carving pumpkins. Barry? Well, I'm actually more of an advisory role than the carving. These are uh, my kids. Pumpkin guts and I don't get along. So on the right, Angelise, the kitty cat, and Joseph from a video game called Among Us. I'm not sure if if that, uh, I I don't know it very well, but he apparently did a great job. So I'll take credit. No kidding. And these are my two creatures. Um, It's just fun, you know? I like the nose on that one. It's so good. It's just so angry. So angry. I figured that this kind of captured the COVID spirit. (laughs) Evil and angry. You brought the Um, mask for your pumpkin. That's about it. Right? Uh, A former Global BC producer from here in Burnaby is continuing a Halloween tradition in her new home of Prince Rupert and involves her Rottweiler cross, Midge. Have a look. This year, 
There we go. Okay. Olivia Mowat and her midge are saluting heroes, including Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Next, the world's seafarers get a shout out at Pacific Mariners Memorial Park. Midge is also honoring the hardworking custodians during the pandemic. You bet. And she's expressing gratitude for health care workers, including those at Prince Rupert Regional Hospital. And check out these two from Mission. Be kind and be calm. Be safe. Uh huh. A mini Dr. Bonnie Henry and Health Minister Adrian Dix, portrayed by three year old Dawson and her little brother Lennox, who's just seven months old, by the way. They're wishing us all a calm, safe, and kind Halloween. And Dr. Henry also inspired this Halloween COVID friendly treat tube in North Vancouver. The Bonnie Henry O. Henry shoot has been set up at a home in the 400 block of East 14th Street and likely at the homes of hundreds of others. I think Adrian Dix is glad he's been called adorable. He hasn't been getting as much love as Dr. <laughs> no, Bonnie. kidding. <laughs> Thank you. Have a great evening. Happy Halloween. <laughs>